Hi, Kirby. Hi, Sarah. Welcome, Welcome to, to Los Angeles. Welcome, Glamgelinos. We hope you stay a while. <laughs> Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Friends, just a reminder, Sarah is back for Tuesday episodes only for the next couple of weeks. We want to give her some more time with precious baby Cade. She will be back full time sooner than later, but I definitely wanted her to just have some time to decompress. She is on maternity leave for the next couple of months. I didn't want her to have to jump right back into work. So our compromise was that she would come back on Tuesdays to have some banta with yours truly as my work wife, and she will be back on Tuesday. In the meantime, I'm thrilled because we have a very special guest today, somebody that Sarah and I both adore and someone who just has incredible business acumen and really understands the beauty industry, has been doing this an incredibly long time. We have Mona Catan. Mona is the global president of Huda Beauty. She co-founded Huda Beauty alongside her sisters, Huda, of course, and her other sister, Alia. And they are driving force behind Huda Beauty as a brand. These sisters really kick ass in this community. Mona saw potential when Huda, who is a makeup artist, started designing her own faux lashes and encouraged her to create a product line. Then fast forward to 2013, they launched a line of faux eyelashes at Sephora and the debut collection sold out almost immediately. Today, they have grown the company to a valuation of $1 billion with a line of groundbreaking products, including everything from body foundation to lip contouring pencils, melted eyeshadow to 3D highlighters, all of which are globally distributed at leading retailers, including Sephora, Harrods, Net-A-Porter, and many, many others. As the president of Huda Beauty, Mona continues to grow the Huda brand and oversees brand strategy and drives new innovation. Now, in 2018, the Huda Beauty brand launched a fragrance line called Kayali, and Mona is the face of that brand, and she really drives the direction of the brand. They started off with four, now I think they have 12, and they just launched a brand new one. It's called Yum, Pistachio Gelato. It's a gourmand fragrance. I am normally not a gourmand girl, but y'all, Kayali in general has completely converted me to explore other fragrance scents, fragrance notes rather, that I normally wouldn't get into. Yes, I've always loved fragrance. I have my signature fragrances, like I said, by the fireplace and Tom Ford and Rolly Portofino are my ultimates. I have them on my person at all times, but I'm really having fun mixing and matching different fragrances. So I have gotten to try almost every fragrance available through Kayali. They have these fragrance testing kits essentially these cute little bottles I mean the bottles are gorgeous in general they look like like these beautiful little diamonds that sit on top of the actual fragrance bottle and I think that the original fragrance is their best-selling one the vanilla one 
I think is my favorite, but they have like a pink pepper fragrance. They have this juicy apple fragrance. They have like a coconut infused vanilla one. I've been really playing around with them and enjoying figuring out like what my own signature scent could be. Mona is Middle Eastern. She was born and raised in the United States, but her family is originally from the Middle East. And she moved back to Dubai in, I don't know, I think she said 2002. Huda also lives in Dubai. So they came into town, or Mona came into town rather, to celebrate the new fragrance launch. And we talk a little bit about the differences between westernized American beauty and our standards versus the Middle East and what they think about and what they prioritize. It actually ended up just being a conversation about Mona's personal preferences, but I'm glad it is because she really is a tastemaker in this space and I loved hearing what she had to say. And although this isn't a business of beauty podcast, she did share a piece of business advice about being a founder and running a business that I think is single-handedly the best piece of business advice I've ever heard from a founder, like point blank, period. So if you're a founder, if you're running a business, if you're an entrepreneur of any kind, really, I think you're going to benefit from what Mona had to say. You're going to love this interview. She's absolutely fabulous. And you're going to learn a lot more about her if you don't know her already. Enjoy. Mona, I am so, well, first of all, I'm sad that I'm not there in person because um, I would love I to give you a hug. I was like waiting to give you a big giant hug and I wanted to <laughs> spray you myself. I know. I, I really wanted you to like go through and give me a special cocktail of all of the fragrance, which we will definitely talk a lot about. And y'all, before we even logged on to record this, I was telling Mona, I've been having some health issues. I've just, I haven't been feeling myself. I feel like the spark has been a little bit gone for me because I'm just drained, you know, but I received the fragrances and I cannot stop playing with them. I spray like I'll do like I go crazy, Mona. I'm not even (laughs) exaggerating. I'll be like, okay, we're going to go with Eden and then I'm going to go in with vanilla and then I'm going to go with pistachio gelato. I mean, it's first of all, the, the packaging is so gorgeous. So it makes you really want to play around. Um, so happy. The fragrances, even though they're all so distinct and different, I do feel like they complement each other when you work with them together. Yeah, we definitely have our signature. Um, so in our dry down, we always include musk, lots of vanilla, um, and tonka. So like in every KLE fragrance, there will be that signature dry down. So it kind of helps because I feel like when your perfumes have the same common denominator, it kind of helps them mix well. Almost. And, um, you know, we, I do have a very specific type of, uh, taste, you know, like I like fragrances that are very, um, very uplifting, but also sexy at the same time and things that really make you feel like your best self. So I feel like all those fragrances kind of work well together. I agree. I agree. They really do layer beautifully and they complement each other. I'm curious why vanilla and tonka like i want to know i feel like those are two different types of scents but you tell me because i'm not the the expert here why did you really want to make sure those and, and musk were included in in these fragrances to be honest i just love vanilla so much and i know tonka is kind of like in the same universe um but i'm a gourmand girl like i love smelling that sweetness 
Um, and it helps with longevity. So, and it's the same with musk actually as well. Like it's such a great base for you to kind of start your fragrance pyramid and to start building up. So adding those um, ingredients really help with longevity. And I also feel like all three of them work so well with other notes. You know, they're, they're things that are very widely appealing. So for me, um, I feel like it's just, it's almost like starting your, your, your dessert with like vanilla ice cream. You know what I mean? Like it works with everything. Like what dessert doesn't go well with vanilla ice cream? So to me, that's kind of like what those ingredients are. So I've said this on the podcast before, but I am not usually a gourmand girl, like at all. Really? Yeah. Yeah. I'm like, I'm gonna convert you. I no, you have. You totally have. Yes. Oh, great. I'm like running around, like smelling yeah. like vanilla. And especially I thought pistachio pistachio gelato was gonna be too much for me. I'm like, this isn't gonna be my vibe. But then I think the packaging does something to your brain, like seeing this like beautiful mint pistachio green, you spray it and you're like, oh, wait, I can totally wear this. It's Aww. such a beautiful fragrance. Thank you so much. You know, it was inspired by my love for pistachio gelato ice cream. So I don't know if you've tried that before. Have you tried it? No. Oh my God. I'm sending it to your house. Like send me your address. You have got to get some like ASAP. Honestly, like the first time I tried it, I was on a sister trip with my sister Alia in Rome and we were just like wandering the streets together. It was a long time ago. And I, we stumbled across the gelateria, which they have everywhere there. And I tried pistachio gelato ice cream for the first time. And I swear to God, I fell in love. Like, <laughs> I was like, this is it for me. This is going to be my last meal. If I'm ever like on my deathbed, like send me a tub of this, like that was it. And um, I fell in love with it. And, you know, when we started working on the whole concept of this fragrance, it was around my love for desserts. Because I feel like desserts are something that, you know, all of us can kind of go back and remember them. And it's our best times. Like, I, I always get asked this question, and I'm sure you probably get asked it as well. But like, people always ask you, like, what was that the number one moment in your life? And to me, it was never around any sort of success. It was never around any achievement. It wasn't like when you graduated or when you launched something, it was around having good food and usually desserts with loved ones. So I wanted to create something that kind of celebrated that. And, um, you know, my team was like, why don't you do something around your favorite food, pistachio gelato? I love this. I absolutely love it. And, <laughs> and you know, food is tied so much to memory too. So it would make sense that fragrance wise, you may want to go in that direction. I, I can't stop staring at how gorgeous you look right now. Y'all, her hair, <laughs> magnificent. Her makeup, yeah. incredible. Can we talk a little bit about some of your favorite cosmetics and hair products? Because sure. I think people really do look to you as a tastemaker and someone that's on the forefront of trends. So what are some products that you're loving right now? Ooh, that's such a great question because I'm always playing with so many products. Um, honestly, I am, um, I'm kind of blanking because all I do is play with perfume all day, but I do, I love playing with eyeshadows. Like that's something that I'm very experimentative with. I can't say too much because Huda will kill me, but she's working on something really incredible <laughs> that's coming up end of the year. But, um, I love playing with eyeshadows. So like I'm wearing a fun one today. Um, but in general, that's my go-to to play with. And also lipstick the rest. I'm not going to lie. I'm kind of more basic with like, I wear liner mascara. I don't really change it. Once I find the one, I kind of stick to it, but I'm, I'm playing with my eyeshadows and my lipsticks right now. <laughs> so because you have your sister who like also has a beauty empire of her own, I'm guessing you probably just use a lot of Huda's cosmetics, right? Lashes, makeup, the whole nine. I do. 
all the time and I kind of like um I go after her samples because I feel like I like to wear what's not available <laughs> yet because I feel like there's just so much more like fun with it so um I've been wearing a lot of the samples of things she's she's launching this year um and they're really exciting um but yeah I don't want to say more because she will murder me I do love Danessa Merrick so I have to say like recently I've been totally crushing on her brand like everything her shadows her complexions like everything is just like unbelievable. So um, she's definitely like my new probably favorite brand. Yeah, and she's an artist. So I feel like she plays into that experimental, like fun artistic element as well, which I think caters to you a lot. Like, you know, Absolutely. wanting to experiment and have fun. Yeah. <laughs> I, I look at your hair. And we're going to talk about the difference like in beauty between like being, you know, Middle Eastern and, and then Western beauty, right? And I feel like hair is like a big topic of conversation. Fragrance too, but hair especially. Like, I guess before we even get into that, like, do you want to talk about your upbringing for those listeners who are maybe not familiar with your background and like sure. how you were raised? Like, I think that's like, it's such a really fun story to hear. Sure, of course. Um, so I am Middle Eastern by background. My parents are both um, originally from Iraq. Uh, they immigrated to the U.S. back in the early 80s, and um, both myself and Huda, we were born here in the States, and we lived um, in very, like, um, rural areas. Like, we lived in Cookville, Tennessee for a very long time, and then I lived in Massachusetts as well, Dartmouth, Mass. Um, so we were always kind of, like, in places where they weren't very big, very international. It was, like, very simple, very, like, um, kind of like the townies, you know? <laughs> um, so yeah. we grew up very, like, <laughs> out of place almost because we always had that I don't know if it's in our DNA or what but like we wanted to be glamorous 24 7 wearing like full makeup to the mall doing our hair like from literally childhood I would say it could have to do with my um my pageant era so like when I was a kid my mom did put me in the beauty pageants like from the age of like three to seven like hardcore I was like in 10 pageants and um, I think it might have been what created this obsession with beauty for both Hood and myself, because just playing with your hair, doing your makeup, like at such a young age, it's like, it was so fun, but it was also like something that never leaves you. Like once you do glam, like you never want to stop. It's just like to be able to transform <laughs> how you feel so instantly, it's just magical. And I feel like, like that's also why I personally love fragrances, but yeah, we've been obsessed with beauty since we were kids. And yeah, I'm going to have to say, I blame my mom for it. Which is funny because she never wears any makeup at all. Like, she's so simple. <laughs> I was going to say, like, were you influenced by your mom and, and how she... Because I know a lot of people sometimes, especially when they, you know, like, were born in the yeah. Middle East or, like, grew up with a Middle Eastern mom. They're like, my mom had a very yeah. specific way that she presented herself. Like, what was your mom like? It's so funny because, like, most Middle Eastern women are so obsessed with glam. My mom could not be more opposite. Like, she never wears any makeup. She did wear perfume, but it was, like, pretty much the same one all the time. She never really changed it. And she didn't wear it often. It was only on occasions. But me and Huda and my sister Alia as well, like, we all love beauty. Like, we are obsessed with it. It's, I don't know what it is. Like, I really have no explanation of, like, where the obsession came from. I mean, it could also be, like, the fact that we are, um, you know, people who looked very different growing up in the South. So it's like you wanted to kind of make yourself look better to kind of fit in or even just make yourself look better. Like 
the thing is when you're like a middle Eastern person, you can't be too like simple because you have to do something about your unibrow. You have to do something about your mustache. (laughs) I feel like we just, we need a lot more, (laughs) you know, you can't just wake up and get out of bed. Like our hair, like my hair is crazy. I know when I do it, it's really pretty, but if I don't do it, it's like, it's a half circle. You know what I mean? Like I used to get made fun of in school. Like people would call me fluff daddy every time I'd walk, like if I didn't do my hair. So it's like, you have to kind of take care. Otherwise you're just not as presentable today, today. And nowadays standards, I feel like it'd be very different. I could probably just right be myself and not do too much and it'd be okay. But when I was a kid, like we'd get bullied for it. Of course. Yeah. Um, Times have certainly changed, but I think, (laughs) I mean, hallelujah, hallelujah. (laughs) You know, you talk about doing pageants and, you know, loving glam. And once you go glam, you don't go back. Did you idolize anybody growing up? I, my person was Britney Spears and I wanted to look like her. And it was like very much my aesthetic was based on how she looked. Uh, I grew up in Texas, so it was very much like the Southern girl thing. Was there someone that you idolized growing up that you wanted to emulate? And then also, how has your idea of beauty changed now that you're a grown woman? Yeah. Oh, my God. So many amazing, beautiful women were like such inspirations to me. Honestly, one of them was my sisterhood, for sure. You know, we're very close in age, so I always like looked up to her. Um, And she's always been like really on point. She is an artist. So she's very good at like really fine tuning things to make them look beautiful and like symmetrical. And like, she's just very, she's got a lot of great taste. So she was definitely one of them, but I also loved uh, Jennifer Lopez and uh, Salma Hayek. It was like people I could kind of relate to, but um, I definitely had a hardcore JLo era. Like she's probably like one of the main ones that I was just like, obsessed with her her look her style her hair her glam like even her personality she's so sassy so I love her (laughs) have you gotten to meet her I have not met her properly but I was leaving one of her concerts once and I yelled JLo I love you and she said I love you too so that kind of counts Wow. Wow. I'm I'm actually surprised you haven't met her yet. I feel like that's in the stars. I need to manifest it for sure. Okay, let's talk a little bit about the difference between Middle Eastern beauty standards and Western beauty standards. Because you don't live in the United States. For anybody that's like, you don't live here. You traveled here to launch this fragrance. And are you in Dubai? I did move to Dubai in 2002, and I've been there ever since. So um, I feel like I've, you know, I'm kind of like half my life was here in the U.S. The second half has been in Dubai. And yes, it is different because the culture in terms of like Middle Eastern beauty, it's definitely, I would say it's starting to merge to almost be the same because of social media. It's like everybody's kind of influenced by other people. So we're almost, we're getting inspired by each other. And you see some people now being very simple there. Historically, it was all about extravagance. So lots of liner, lots of lashes, lots of color, lots of lipstick. It was very OTT for sure. Um, now I, I do think it's, it's part of the influence of social media. Like everything's kind of being more refined and there's just, there's such a mixture of people. Like you find everything now, um, where historically it was like, you had to be over the top. Like you couldn't just wear simple lipstick. You'd look very like out of place. Like you have to do your eyes, you have to do your glam. And, um, it was very excessive, which I love (laughs) personally. Right. I'm all, I'm curious because we have like, you know, Sephora in the United States, I would say like Sephora and Ulta, like the two really big retailers here. What are the, like, where do people shop in Dubai? Like, where are they going to get their beauty goods? Yeah. 
It is 100% a Sephora um, situation in the Middle East. Really? Okay. People are obsessed with Sephora. They actually have the number one performing door in the world in Dubai, Dubai Mall. Not <laughs> if surprised. If you go there, not surprised. It feels like an airport. Like it's that busy. Wow. Like it is nuts. And yeah, it's definitely the best shopping destination. But there's also a few local retailers, um, which you wouldn't have here in the States that also have a nice selection. But Sephora is definitely the number one, hands down. That is so crazy. I would think it would be something else, but you know, like Sephora really just knows what they're doing over there. They're smashing it. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think about that tart trip that happened this year. I'm sure you saw it all over social media. Oh, yeah. Everyone had an opinion <laughs> on it, right? And you know, they, it was like a tart trip, but it was also in conjunction with Sephora Middle East. And I was like, oh, this makes so much sense because they were bringing in all of these different influencers from like all over the world, but specifically the Middle East. And I was like, okay, they really are like making the push to like remind everyone we're here and we are the number one door that it's so crazy. And I also feel like it was nice for the influencers themselves to like go experience something so different. Um, I spoke to quite a few of them um, that I'm friends with and they're like, it was just like one of the best trips they've ever been in their life. So I think it was like a really nice treat. They definitely made a huge impact. <laughs> like people are talking about, <laughs> I know it was good and bad, but I think, um, you know, looking at it, I'm like, that was really smart of them to create such a an, an exquisite trip for everyone. I think post COVID, you know, um, it's been a long time since people have gone back to like eventing in a big way. So um, I'm happy events are back. I miss seeing people and hugging people and just like feeling their energy. You know, it's so different. Right. I miss you so much. I'm so sad. I wish I got to see you in person. <laughs> okay. So I want to talk about your hair. I just, y'all, her hair is just, it's, it's like so long, flowing, stunning, shiny. Thank you. Do you have a hair routine? Because one of the things that I'm starting to notice, especially this year, I wrote a story actually about how the pandemic influenced skincare um, and how it changed so many things. And one of the things we saw was the skinification of hair. We might have a five-step skincare routine now. That's kind of old news. Now we're seeing like these five-step hair care routines. Like before you even get in the shower, before you even wash your hair, you're doing like a little scalp scrub and then a, an oil and then you're getting the comb and doing a little massage. Like, do you have a hair routine? I do definitely take a lot of care of my hair. Like, um, I think it's also part of the Middle Eastern culture. Like people are very big on taking care of your hair. Um, part of like the rituals, like historically it's been every Friday you do like a hair mask, a hair oil ritual. So it's like, it's a big part of the culture, to be honest. Um, I definitely use a lot of products. Um, I love the color wow detox pro um, product. I don't know if you've tried that yet, but you spray your hair before you wash it out. And it's great if you've done like styling and updos and it helps kind of melt the product so that when you wash it, it comes out a bit easier. Um, but that's, Ooh, I haven't tried that one. That one is amazing. So if you're doing styling, I don't use it if I haven't put like crazy products in my hair, but especially when you're going out, um, and you've added like gel hairspray, whatever it is, wax, like it's really hard to get that out. And you don't want to over shampoo. Cause then you're going to, um, dry out your scalp. So right. this product is amazing. It's probably my favorite, like innovative product I've tried in a very long time. I do love scalp scrubs too. The Brio Digio. Um, I hope I'm saying that right. Briogeo. It's such a great product. Briogeo, yes. I love their brand. Their charcoal scalp scrub is phenomenal. And I also love their scalp oil treatment. So I, I agree with you. Like I think taking care of your, your skin on your head, your scalp is so important for your hair to be healthy. 
Um, but I, I love them. And of course I love way. I mean, I think Jen Adkin is a hair genius and, um, I love everything she creates. So I use a lot of their masks as well. Um, and also there's, there's, their scalp scrub it's scalp and body I don't know if you tried that one it's yes divine and the smell the scent is unreal <laughs> so they make my absolute favorite shampoo it's the detox shampoo and I use it like once a week just to help get clear of the buildup it does not strip my scalp it doesn't make my hair feel too clean I think that people don't realize like how to differentiate between like a good, a really good solid shampoo. Like when the shampoo runs through your fingers, no, you need a little bit of thickness to the shampoo. So when you <laughs> activate the ingredients in your hands and put it on your scalp, Jenna's taught me so much about doing my own shampoo ritual that I'm like, I, I can never go back now because she's completely changed how I, I wash my hair. No, she's amazing. She's also like educated me too so much. And I don't know what I'd do without her. Honestly, um, she's she's amazing. Ha do you wash your hair often? So I have hair extensions. I have tape-ins. Okay. Usually, I probably wash my hair three days a week. I'll get it wet more than that, but like I do, I do my detox shampoo once, and then I'll wash it with another shampoo from Virtue Labs the other two days of the week. I love Virtue as well. I forgot to mention them. They're also like one of my favorite brands that hair oil that they have is insane. So good. Life changing. And, and smells <laughs> divine. It does. It smells amazing. But I was going to say um, one other piece of advice I definitely recommend to everyone is make sure you don't overwash your hair. I think a lot of people do that. I don't wash my hair often. Like usually it's every four days, sometimes even longer. When I was younger, I could go even longer. Um, like sometimes even two weeks, which is crazy. I know, but like my hair was dry. I have a lot of it too. So to get the natural oils to it, like, I feel like if you wash it too much, your hair will fall out. And if you watch it, wash it too little, your hair will fall out. So you've got to find the balance that works for you. Okay. Wait, I, this just reminded me when you mentioned Jen, didn't you and Huda invest in her new brand, Maine? We did. Yes, we did. Okay. Tell me a little bit more about this because when I saw the three of you all come together, I was like, this is pretty brilliant. And I Aww. love the brand. I think it's awesome. I'm obsessed with the paddle hairbrush. Yeah. Tell me a little bit more. Like I'm trying to envision like Jen going to y'all and being like, do you want well, to invest? To be honest, we came to her. We were like, we've, we've had such a great friendship forever. Like we've, we've known Jen before she ever started the way. And, um, you know, when she first started her brand, we were like, we didn't have money to invest in it then, but we were like, God, whoever's going to invest in you is so lucky because you are like a unicorn. Like there's not many people like her and she's so passionate, so talented, so incredibly hardworking. Like I consider myself a hardworking person, but I feel like Jen's like next level. Like she makes me feel like I question, am I working hard enough? <laughs> Um, but we actually told her, we're like, if you ever start anything again, like, please think of us, we would die to invest in you, not only for, you know, from a business aspect, but just partnering with her is such an honor. She's such a great human. Like she doesn't just create businesses out of the sake of creating a business. She really wants to make a difference and a positive impact as well. She cares about her community and she cares about the world. Like she's just unreal. I know she's on another level. You're right. Like I think yeah. about her work <laughs> ethic and I'm like, I, I read her book and I'm like, wow, I thought I was a hard worker. I want, I'm not even close to the Jen Atkin level. <laughs> you are, you are such a hard worker. You are too, but yeah, she's, phenomenal so we told her we were like if you ever like please consider us and she did so we were like hands down 
you, we don't even need you to tell us your business plan. Like whatever you do, we believe in you because you're just such a unbelievable person. And she is. Um, okay. Before we move on from hair, I need to know what are your favorite st like styling tools? Like what, what are you going for these days? Um, I do love her new, um, her new crimper that she has not the crimper. Sorry. I forget what you're calling it. The mermaid wand type of thing. Yeah. The mermaid, it's like a barrel, like a three barrel. Yeah. Yes, exactly. I love that because I love waves and especially those type of, um, those type of, um, tools, they make it super easy. Like it's a lot easier than doing it with like the, um, the professional tools. So she's made it really simple for everyone. I also like, I have to be honest, I don't do my hair myself that often because that, like, I'm not going to lie. I'm not good at doing my hair. I think that's also part of the reasons why I don't wash it that often is like, cause I, I can't do my hair that many times, you know? So I, I do prefer getting an incredible stylist to do my hair. I, that's why I started my first business, which was a beauty salon, because like, I'm obsessed with getting a blowout. Like I, I feel like that one feeling of getting a really good wash, a blow dry and a blowout, like makes me feel amazing. And I'm not good at it myself. <laughs> uh, I love it. So bougie. I absolutely, you're like, so I actually prefer not to do my own well, hair. I'm like, yes, Mona, yes. Also, it's also Dubai culture. You know what I mean? Like, of course. Living in the Middle East, there's a salon on every single corner and most people don't do their own hair. And because it is much more affordable there too, like you can find packages for like monthly blowouts, like it's just part of the culture, you know, it's like, it's different. Okay. I want to kind of switch gears and talk about beauty's influence recently. And I guess by recently, I mean like the past two years because TikTok has been such a big part of influencing people to buy things or maybe not to buy things. How do you feel about where we're at in the beauty community as like a leader in this community? Like, what are your thoughts, good or bad? Yeah, you know, I have mixed feelings. Um, you know, I feel like social media, TikTok, Instagram, like they've done so many great things for the beauty industry and other industries. Like they've kind of democratized things. And I think, you know, we wouldn't be here if it wasn't for that. You know, it's incredible. Right. like we didn't have a big budget to start our brand. We had like no budget. So it's like power of social media was the only way we got here. And it's the only reason why we're here in the first place. But what I'd say is maybe like the not so great part is like, everything is moving so fast. And we're all like, you know, the, the love of consumerism has just increased and skyrocketed like too high to where it doesn't even make sense anymore. Like people, the consumers are so used to something new that if you're not launching something every few months, they're going to forget about you. But do people really need this much product? I know we want it. And it's like, are we being responsible? That's like kind of something that haunts me. I'm not going to lie. It's like, what is the solution here? Like we can't stop launching things, but then I don't want it to be where we're not making a positive impact. So it's, it's a gift and a curse. Right. I mean, now that you're on the other side of things where you have money to invest in brands, right? I have to wonder too, like, do you feel like there's pressure from perhaps maybe investors or even retailers to brands to say, hey, you need to be launching this at this time, or, or we're seeing an uptick in this, like you need to launch yeah. a similar version. Like, have you ever felt any pressure either way? I definitely feel the pressure and it's so challenging because of the speed of, you know, content and how things change so fast. It's not only do you have to launch a lot and very often, 
like it's also by the time you actually launch that trend might not even be there anymore because things move mm. and change so quickly and you know, right. product development takes forever like to launch a fragrance on average it's two to two and a half years from like start of concept to actual launch so it's like that waiting time in between like a you don't know if it's going to be even relevant by then and you don't know if other people would have done it by then because people are moving so quickly so it's it's really it's really one of the biggest challenges um, but yeah, it's not going to change. Like we have to just move with it. Like, you know, you can't, you can't avoid this. It's, it's the future and it's probably just going to get even faster. So yeah, it's tough. How do you though, keep your brand on target? You know, you had a vision for this brand when you launched it and you don't want to deviate too far away from the original vision that you had. I mean, literally like yeah. the name means my imagination in Arabic, right? So yeah. you obviously want to be able to explore and have fun, but then you don't want people to, in a, maybe a year or two, pick up the brand and go, this is not something that Mona would ever have done. Like what, why does this? So how do, how do you keep focus? I would say, and I, I really think that, you know, anyone who's founding a brand um, should probably do this follow your gut, follow your intuition and stay in your own lane. Don't start comparing yourself to others. Data is nice to review, but don't ever let it be the thing that makes your decision because everybody's using the same data to make decisions. So once you start going into that game of like, oh, what does the research say? You're never going to be a trendsetter. And therefore you're always just going to be following everybody else. So I think one thing um, that I've always done, which I think is a blessing is like, I do what I want to do versus like what everybody else is saying that you should do. And yes, it might work. It also might not work, but at least you're going to be unique and different. You know, um, a lot of perfume brands out there, you know, they're amazing, but a lot of them launch what's already been launched and it works. They're like, okay, this is what people want. And I'm like, that's great. But will you be interesting? Will you be special? Are people going to really think of you as like a trendsetter? No, but they're still by you because you're commercial, like you, it works, but it's not going to be innovative. So as a niche brand, as an indie brand, that's still kind of a startup, like we're in our fifth, we're starting our fifth year now, actually we're in our fourth year, but you know, we're still very young. So we don't have budgets to pay supermodels and celebrities to, to make people buy our fragrances. So it really needs to be interesting. It can't be. <laughs> I mean, brand, you know, I think that's probably single handedly the best piece of beauty business advice that's been said on this podcast because Stop. <laughs> thank you. No, I'm not kidding. I interviewed Bobby Brown a few months ago about Jones Road Legend. and I right, And I said, similarly, like, what are the challenges? Like, how do you how do you create something like, are you looking at data? Are you looking at demos? Like, what are you doing? And she's like, I just have a vision of what I think is going to work and I go from there. And that that's why she's a trendsetter. That's why you're a trendsetter. That's why Huda is a trendsetter. So you're in a very, like Jen, same way, same way with Jen. Uh, like <laughs> the people at the top aren't just following the data. They also have something inside of them that's telling them, yeah. no, I feel strongly that this is going to hit or this is this is going to be really popular or we're going to do something that's going to shift how people see things absolutely because honestly the thing is like everybody is reading the same data <laughs> like everybody like all these like you know um organizations that are selling you data packs they're selling it to everyone so it's so hard to be different if you're gonna just follow what everybody else is following and 
I really believe that your gut is a data machine and it's your own data machine that you should follow. It's your subconscious picking up everything. So one thing I also recommend is stay connected to your gut. And that takes a lot of work. Like you have to really be present. You need to be making time for yourself. You need to reflect. You need to do therapy. <laughs> like make sure you don't have any blockages anywhere. Not really though. It really makes a big difference. Like honestly, you know, when I first started the brand, I was probably a little bit more disconnected with my emotions, my feelings. I was kind of more operating in my masculine energy, like most of the time. And I, uh, you know, I went through my own therapy journey and I found out where I had blockages. And once I connected to my gut, it was like a life changer. I mean, here, here, if, if everybody <laughs> operated, I think in that manner, we would all be in a really good place in the world, right? I think so. Okay, Mona, before <laughs> we end, because I know that you are a very busy lady, let's talk about the the brand. Is it, okay, please correct sure. me if I'm mispronouncing it. Kayali or Kayali? Both work. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I call it Kayali. In Arabic, it's Kayali, um, but I don't really, I feel like that sounds a bit harsh. So I like to say Kayali. Kayali, okay. So Kayali. But I've heard it pronounced many different ways and I like it. I like hearing it. Like, I heard it in a in a um, Latina American accent yesterday and I was like, oh my God, I love that. I can't, <laughs> I can't recreate it because I'm so bad at like getting people. But the way she saw, said it was so sexy. I was like, okay, I need to change it to that way. <laughs> but I love it. But yes, it does mean my imagination. It means your imagination. You have so many beautiful fragrances to choose from. If somebody is looking to get into the Kayali world, what, how would you direct them? What what are maybe your top two fragrances that you think people should dive into the brand with? I would definitely say our Vanilla Twenty Eight is um it's it's our best selling fragrance that we have, and when I developed it, it was really created to be a topper. So I'm all about layering fragrances, and for me, it was like kind of that one fragrance that seals the deal. Like you know, I, I equate it to being like the whipped cream to your dessert. So just like adding a little bit of sweetness to your, to whatever you're wearing, you can wear it on its own as well. Like a lot of people like it on its own, but for me, it's like the perfect layering topper. Um, secondly, I would say instead of buying one fragrance, maybe buy our discovery set. We have a discovery set where we sell eight fragrances. So they're like little mini um, vials. So you can just try and experiment because it really is so subjective. And um, I really feel like you need to understand what you like to try and buy one thing but vanilla 28 is like very widely appealing because it's the vanilla note itself it's we've got three different vanillas in that fragrance we've got tonka as well we've got so much it's just really like a vanilla overdose almost so um and there's a lot of research you know talking about why people love vanilla it's because for us it's like it's it's very comforting it reminds us of vanilla ice cream birthday cake like there's so many things that we eat that have vanilla in it so almost everybody loves it and it's a very happy note that is so true i can't think of a time where i'm eating something vanilla that it's not bringing a good memory to mind you know what i mean probably why people have that saying like you're very vanilla it's like you're widely appealing <laughs> like you know what i mean it's just <laughs> like i guess Yes. where it came from but almost everybody loves vanilla it's like simple delicious straight to the point it's like it works with everything how many total fragrances do you have now mona in my collection of kaeli or like my own library oh both <laughs> so for kaeli this is actually our 12th fragrance that we've launched 
Um, so very, very special. Um, it's taken quite a long time to get here, but I'm so happy and so excited about it. My personal collection, I have almost 4,000 fragrances now. <laughs> so quite a lot. 4,000. Yes. <laughs> Wow. Thank you. I, I'm still not number one though. Yeah. I'm trying to get the like world's largest library. Um, I'm thinking about making it public one day, like just letting people come visit. But um, the number one Guinness record is a lady from Greece. She has like over 6,000. Wow. Okay. You're, you're, you're gunning for that spot. I feel it. It's coming soon. My last question before I let you go, do you remember the first fragrance you ever purchased? Hands down, yes. I actually, to be honest, I bought two at the same time because um, it was my first job I ever got. My first paycheck I got, I bought two fragrances. One of them was Curve from Liz Claiborne. I don't know if you remember that one. Yes. <laughs> Which to be honest, wow. not my Throwback. style at all anymore. But like at the time it was like, I bought it from a CVS, like where I lived didn't have many options. Like we didn't really have proper department stores or anything. So it was Curve and then uh, Lancome We. It was they don't really make it anymore, but it was also like a beautiful one too. So I love them. I still buy them to get the memories. So like I'll spray it and I'll like transport me back to high school. Right. Um, but I wouldn't wear them on their own anymore. My taste has definitely like it's evolved a lot since then. <laughs> uh, Mona, this was so fun. I'm so sorry I couldn't be there in person. I would love to see you soon. I know that you, you know, don't make it back as frequently, but literally next time you're here or maybe next time I'm in Dubai, we can yes. get together. Um, tell everybody where they can find Kayali. We is found, um, we found Sephora. Actually, it's our first year expanding into the full distribution. So we're going to be in store in every Sephora in North America by the end of the year. So I'm very excited and happy about that. Um, and also HoodaBeauty.com as well. All right, that's it. Thank you everyone for listening. We will be back on Tuesday with the week's most buzzy beauty news. Make sure you subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts and follow us on Spotify so you don't miss any breaking beauty news or product reviews. And if you want to support us, be sure to follow us at Gloss Angeles Pod on all platforms and join our Facebook group. Plus, find every product we recommend on our website, glossangelespod.com, as well as links to the stories and news we report each week. You can follow us, your hosts. I'm Sarah Tan, that's S-A-R-A-T-A-N, on all social platforms. And I'm Kirby Johnson, K-I-R-B-I-E, on all social platforms. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com.